Welcome, everybody. Happy Monday morning. I'm back in New York City, and this is going to be a really fun edition of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I get to talk to Ben Heck about how he feels finally being able to talk freely about Deep Root Pinball, about Deep Root Pinball attempting to take over Spooky Pinball way back in the day. These stories are really interesting, and they've not been able to be shared until now. Because as you will learn over the next few weeks, a lot of people were very afraid of Robert Mueller, his litigious nature, and they are no longer really afraid of the big bad bully. So you're going to hear all from Ben about what it was like when Robert Mueller tried to become the leading partner at Spooky Pinball. But let's cover off on a few news items first. So first and foremost, today is August 23rd. P3 Multimorphic has been teasing that they are going to reveal their license game today. Now, it is Monday morning. I wish Jerry would have given me a little bit of a scoop so I could talk about it or tee it up or hype it, but nothing. So I will find out when the rest of you find out what the license theme game is that P3 Multimorphic has up its sleeve. I hope it's something cool. This platform has been in desperate need of a licensed theme, so I look forward to seeing what it is, and we'll find out today, all right? The other thing that happened over the weekend was Chicago Gaming Company finally, after two years of the worst-kept secret in pinball, revealed to the world that the next game is going to be Cactus Canyon Remake, and it's like a slow golf clap how they did it. Now, they were at Southern Fried Gaming Expo, and they were doing a PowerPoint presentation about CGC, and they just put up a slide that said Cactus Canyon, and then they had another slide that talked about some of the features of the game, and this looked like a PowerPoint presentation where there was a total of 30 seconds spent on it. As a marketer, is it cringeworthy when I see these companies take moments like these and put absolutely zero effort into it? Yes, I could have made them such a nicer, more polished presentation. And they also could have done something a little bit more fun with a little bit more pizzazz to get people excited about this being the next theme. But they don't need to do it. I'm also not an idiot. Like, I know that this game will sell just fine with absolutely zero marketing because there's a built in audience for this stuff they know what they're doing they're making games that collectors want and they're remaking them better than the originals and when they show people how there's new code in this game and how there's fancier sculpts and toppers and this this game is gonna look loaded I don't think they're gonna have a problem selling Cactus Canyon remake but I do urge people to remember one thing about Cactus Canyon people need to remember that Cactus Canyon as a game is nowhere near as good of a pinball shooter 
as Medieval Madness Attack from Mars or Monster Bash. This was an interesting remake for CGC because Cactus Canyon, arguably not the best game and not just because of the software. I think everyone thinks like if Cactus Canyon just has better software, it's all of a sudden an incredible game and maybe it will be, but I was reading a, someone's description on Pinside about how the shots in this game are the real issue with it. Now, I have not spent a ton of time on Cactus Canyon, but I do feel like when I played it, I didn't have a huge issue with the way it shot. Just be aware that this isn't like them remaking one of the greatest games of all time. This is them remaking a game that just had high collector value. And there's a big difference there. So we'll see the final package. We will see the final package soon. They are going to reveal this game in the next four to six weeks. They are going to have it at Pinball Expo. And distributors are already taking orders on it. I got an email from Joe Newhart at Pinball Star. You can buy your Cactus Canyon. And he's using old photography, the old flyer, to sell you the new game. Again, it doesn't matter. We all know what it's going to be. It's going to be a nicer version of that. So if you want a Cactus Canyon remake, hit up Joe Newhart at Pinball Star and get on his list because I do think they're going to sell most of these LEs if they make a thousand of them. But who knows? There's so many exciting new games coming. I wouldn't rush in and get anything right now. I would wait to see what happens in the pinball world. Before I air this with Ben Heck, I want to say that this whole Deep Root debacle, the silver lining in all of it is it is going to bring a lot of people together. I know there's some arguing on the pin side thread, but ultimately, as a community, sometimes when you see these calamities, these ginormous failures, I think this is gonna unite a lot of the pinball personalities because we all can agree on this. We all can agree on something for once. And in the pinball world, it is kind of interesting how much division there really is. When you think about it, it's all these grown men, for the most part, who have enough money to put these expensive toys in their homes, right? And guess what? When you go to the forum about that, it's arguing and division and screaming and yelling and treating each other with absolutely no respect. And it's so weird to me when I tell people I'm into pinball and on the number one pinball forum, there's a bunch of bickering that's nonstop. He's like, wait, I don't get it. Doesn't everybody like pinball? And yes, we do, but that's where it ends. So I do think this is going to bring people together because it's finally something we can all agree on. I mean, even Christopher Franchi's hanging out with Canada again. I feel like we've buried some of those issues in the past and we're, we're hanging out. He's been on the Facebook Live. So Chris, I'm glad you're hanging out on the show again, and I can't wait to see your art on future titles. And I think we're going to see some of Franchi's work on Cactus Canyon Remake. I did see the most ridiculous thing last night because Barry O chimed in when someone asked him, is Deep Root done? This is what Barry O is saying. And this just goes to show you how delusional, how out of touch, and how cultist, and how these people have drank the Kool-Aid, Steve Bowden, Barry O. These people have known for a very long time. They have been getting emails from Robert and the senior staff over at Deep Root. They've been furloughed or they've missed payroll many times throughout this journey, and they had to have known things were not going well when you've blown by your deadlines by years. When asked after the SEC story was shown to Barry O, I'm not even making this up. When Barry O was asked if Deep Root is over after the story broke this weekend, Barry O is saying that he saw it. This is going to be challenged and it's not over. And this is the best part. He said that someone released this as a publicity stunt. Let me repeat that, that Barrio, your famed pinball designer, is calling this a publicity stunt. Barry, 
Deep Root team, all of you delusional cultist members, a publicity stunt, and this is what I do for a living. A publicity stunt is something that someone does or a company does or a brand does. They do something out in the world to generate excitement, attention, and positive conversation about their brand. How is this a publicity stunt? The SEC does not do this for its own publicity. This is the SEC saying that Deep Root has committed fraud. Okay, Barry. And for you to say that this isn't the end, that this is someone trying to destroy us. He said that he's like, this is someone trying to destroy us. And Barry, I need you to wake up. It's over. The person who destroyed you is your own leader. You are not going to get your food truck game out in the world. This just goes to show that the delusion the gullible nature of a lot of these pinball people. It goes way past just the buyers of pinball machine. Barrio, Barrio. Like how does Barrio read this SEC story and call it a publicity stunt? This makes no sense. It's over, Barry. It's over, Prime. The sooner you accept that it's over, Barry, the sooner you can move on with things. And I don't think anyone else is holding on to any delusion anymore. There's one fool on Pinside saying that someone might pick up these IPs and make these games in the future. That's not happening. No one's picking this stuff up. Bill Brand has already said he's not going to let anyone do that. Nobody wants the pin bar. Why would anyone want to put a pin bar on a pinball machine when hundreds of thousands of games have been sold and enjoyed without one? This is not moving pinball forward. If you want to buy something that's moving pinball in a different direction using different technology, go support Jerry and P3 and Multimorphic. And I mean that. And I'm hard on Jerry. And I crack the whip on Jerry's decisions. And I think Jerry doesn't listen to consumer feedback as much as he should. And I think he needs themes that make this platform sing. But Jerry has never ripped off anybody. Jerry has tried to innovate pinball and only took money when he could figure out how to manufacture the product. So Jerry, as much fun as I make of P3 Multimorphic and some of the decisions you've made, you're still a hardworking person that actually made innovations that moved pinball forward. And the P-Rock system is one of them. So don't support Deep Root. Support P3 Multimorphic today if you find a theme that you like when he reveals it today. See, I'm more about supporting the people that deserve it. And we've spent way too much time and energy talking about, supporting, and shilling some of these charlatans in the pinball world. I even got a message from Jeff Teolis that just said, Chris, you were right. And Jeff, I appreciate that. I mean, I don't even care about being right. I mean, it was almost like impossible to think they were going to pull this off. There was no indications that they had anything figured out. So nobody wanted to be right that Deep Root was a disaster, but it always was a disaster. It was a disaster from day one. The moment they opened their mouth, the moment they all went up on stage, the moment Steve Bowden said, just wait. The other part is this. We need to stop thinking because people are nice people that they will steer you in a good direction. I don't know Steve Bowden and people say he's a nice guy, but every time I hear people say Steve Bowden is an amazing asset to the pinball world and someone should scoop up his talents, I can't help but think Steve Bowden has never worked on a single pinball machine that anyone's ever played. And yet Stern is selling tens of thousands of games. Everyone is selling thousands of games. Do we need Steve Bowden to do rule sets for pinball machines? Is that what he's good at? I don't even know. We'll never know. This desire to prop up Steve Bowden as this hugely valuable asset in the world of coding pinball machines. Everyone, stop. 
We need to stop doing this. We need to come back to reality. Steve is a nice person. He's an amazing tournament player. But as far as I'm concerned, that's the only thing he should be getting credit for. It's like give Kaneda credit for being a great pinball podcaster, but don't give me credit for being like an art director or a coder or a designer because I'm not. And that's the thing. We just start to think that anyone who gets involved in a pinball project as being great before they've shown us they're great at it. And you're not great at coding or art or design or layout until you actually do something and you actually put it out in the world. And the final point I'll make is this. I know there are people saying, well, they probably had no idea what was going on on the financial side of the company. And even if that's true, even if that's true, all of those people, Steve Bowden, all of those people who got up there with Deep Root, all of those people, they heard the promises that Robert was making. And they were in pinball long enough to know that those promises were never going to come true. There will be some accountability that those people will have to face moving forward. You don't just get a get out of jail free card like, oh, you didn't know. How did you not know? How did you walk into Deep Root every day, a single story building, and not know what was going on? How did you not open up the manufacturing door and see nothing going on for years? How did you not walk into Robert's office when he delayed your payroll and say, hey, is anything happening? Is anything happening? Because I'm not seeing any manufacturing. I'm not seeing any assembly line being built. And how are we going to make these games? Steve Bowden is an adult. Barry O is an adult. John Norris is an adult. You know, Dennis Nordman and David Thiel were the first two to get the hell out of Dodge. They quickly saw that this wasn't going to happen. They were the canary in the coal mines again. But I don't buy this that nobody else knew. Nobody else knew. They knew. They knew. And the only saving grace for all of them is that most of us didn't lose a penny on this thing. You know, the pinball community was saved this time around. All of the money that went into this came from other investors. But unfortunately for all of those other people, they've lost a lot of money. And it was the pinball project, it seems, where most of the money was funneled to. The pinball and the Deep Root Studios. If you're going to hitch your career to a company, you better ask questions. You better know what's going on. Again, this was not like an Enron. This was not like Bernie Madoff. This was a small little venture. They knew what was going on and they still went on those podcasts back in December and convinced all of us that this game was great and we were going to play it soon. So I'm sorry not everybody just gets a pass when this falls apart. All right, everybody. Enjoy Ben Heck. You're going to love it. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Ben Heck won Deep Root Zero. Ben, welcome back to the show. And this has been one we've been wanting to do for a while because do you finally feel comfortable talking about Deep Root? I mean, I don't have as many stories as the employees, but I mean, I can I can talk about the origins and all the red flags we saw many years ago. We want to hear that story. And that's the main reason I want to talk to you today is because we know about your early days with John and Ben Hex Zombie Adventureland, and you saw there were problems and you got out of there. But I want to know about one of the stories that has been circling around the industry, which is this notion that Robert at one point in time walked into spooky pinball and Ben, just tell the story like tell us what happened okay this is over six years ago so i'll try to remember it as much as i can and sadly i threw away i, I think i have oh yeah i have the notebook right here he gave us a notebook like a deep root notebook I, i'm holding it in my hand and a pen so i've got the number but then he also gave us his prospectus like his plan and it had all the numbers in it, his sales expectations. 
So I want to say this was March of 2015. That was when all Spooky had was America's Most Haunted. I think they had just signed Rob Zombie. They hadn't announced it yet. It was before like AMH really took off, which was at TPF 2015. So Spooky was still a little nebulous as far as its viability. Right. Obviously, Charlie was there. I won't say who else was there, just to be discreet, but there were other people there as well. Well, who did he come with? Was it just Robert? It was just Robert the first time, yes. Okay. So he walks in to Spooky and, and tell us, like, what, what's the conversation like at that early stage? Well, I mean, it's like he set up a meeting, right? It's not like he just walked in un- uninvited. So I don't think Charlie was like, hey, there's some guy who's talking about maybe investing or something. And, you know, he wants to, like, you know, hire you full time, meaning me and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, OK. And so I was still doing my uh, corporate show back then. Uh, I think that's important to remember. Like, I was doing that the whole time I worked on AMH. So anyway, so then we have this meeting. So we go down there. This is back when Spooky was in, like, I think two rooms in a business incubator. So 1.5 square feet, 1.5K square feet tops. Small, small, you know. And so then we get the conference room that's in the business incubator to have this meeting. And Robert's like, blah, 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 blah. And he's just freaking up. Here we go. He's freaking obsessed with J-pop. It's just like ridiculous. It's like, ooh, J-pop, J-pop, J-pop. These games are beautiful. So remember, this was after Empty Cabinet Gate. It was also after that. Uh, remember that Adobe had that video where they actually, we finally got to see what the games look like? Right. That was like early 2015, but also before Pintasia. So I don't know if Robert was euphoric off of that Adobe video or something. But his basic idea was he wanted to buy Spooky Pinball for $0. Basically, we would just become his employees. Sweat equity, that old bullshit. And then he was going to move Spooky into a 40,000 square foot facility immediately, even though there were no games to build. And then the idea was that we would fix and build the Zidware games. And what was his rationale for that? He's obsessed with John. Was he even a John customer? I don't th- No, I don't think so, because... Robert's one of those guys who, well, <laughs> formerly rich, well, soon to be, uh, he, he's just one of those guys who's like, hey, distributor, put 10 Sterns in my basement and then becomes a pinball fan. Yeah. So this was like years after, you know, Zidware. But I'm sure just like John, it's like, ooh, Bally Williams, the magic, the magic. And see, that's the thing. I still think John is a huge part of this. The whole company was basically built around him. You know, even if even if he was sidelined and not given much to do, it's, you know, he was like the, the key. Okay, so let's talk about, he walks in, he says, hey, we should make these Zidware games. They're beautiful. And they were beautiful. And at that point, nobody knew how incomplete and how horrible they really were. So right. what was the reaction from Charlie and you as he sells you on this, let's steer Spooky Pinball to sort of, resurrecting these j-pop titles he was offering real money even though he was basically going to take the company from charlie he was offering real money real salary so it was tempting like how much can you say uh yeah i think he offered me about one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year okay for pinball which is pretty good okay so he was offering real money well that's the thing like okay so he offers a salary to you does he offer a salary to charlie or is charlie still managing the company we would basically become his employees. That was was the plan. Where's the leverage on his part? Why is it just the money? That was it because we all said no. We actually considered it, you know, like and I, at that point, I was kind of tired of doing my show because I did I did my show for eight years and like the last couple of years, I only did it because I knew when I quit, my coworkers would have to find new jobs as well. I would have considered it, but 
the thing was, John was a constant. No matter what, he was going to hire John. And it was like Shark Tank. We're all like, well, for that, we're out. Because the thing is, I would have had to work under John. I would have been John's bitch having to fix his game for him. And if you know John, it's like, ooh, I'm the master teacher. I'm the teacher. Bally Williams Day's teacher, pinball college. And fuck that. And here's the interesting thing. I think context is very important for a listener of the show. In 2015, uh, Spooky Pinball is not the spooky they are today in which they sell 1,750 games in one day. At that point, America's Most Haunted was struggling to sell. Eventually, it sold 150. So that money six years ago in pinball was an enticing offer, which is why they considered it. Because I think people who only came into the hobby recently, Ben, and we're seeing that a lot in people who even got taken by Deep Root, they don't know the context and the history of how Zidware was such a joke. And they just saw some beautiful lights when they saw Raza uh, at San Antonio like a couple of years ago. So you guys thought it over. J-Pop was a sort of a constant and was going to be part of the deal. What made you guys say no? That was it. None of us wanted to work with John because we all knew he was a worthless sack of skin. Did you go to Robert and say, hey, if you cut John loose, we're happy to get in bed with you? Yep. No matter what, John was a constant. And then look what happened. He waited for American Pinball well, technically, Joe Balls were to fire him, and then he scooped him right back up. You could not underestimate how obsessed Robert was with John. It was it was like an infatuation. It was mind-boggling. You just watch the videos with Robert. All he talks about is like, your beautiful pin, the beautiful pin, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Robert, in a way, was the perfect mark for John. He was a rich dude or well, had access to a bunch of other people's money, and all he cared about was art. That's perfect mark for John. Isn't it crazy, too, when you look at the Raza reveal video that Robert Mueller actually art directed on top of J-pop? Did you notice that? Like, those aren't the colors John wanted in the extra edition. That's Robert's design. I mean, it's just such a thematically ridiculous game. So, Ben, that was meeting one. Was there ever a meeting with you and J-pop and Charlie and Robert? John was never involved. I did meet with Robert again at TPF 2015. That's when he stole the idea for Bible Adventures from me. A valueless thing to steal, but go on. Yeah, so I'm sitting there talking to him. This was when we were still maybe thinking about it, right? And uh, he's like, blah, 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 blah. And he's trying to hire some other person. I won't say who they are, but that person was like, Robert has crazy eyes. Stay away. And wow, that person was right. You know who you are, person who said that. So we're sitting there and he's saying, you know, I'm talking about stuff. And, you know, because again, we're kind of thinking about it. Anyway, then he's asking me about game ideas. And I'm like, oh, I've always wanted to do an Old Testament Bible adventure game. And then his, his crazy eyes opened wide as saucers. And he's like, yes, fire and brimstone. And I'm like, what? And he's like, I love it. We're going to make fire and brimstone. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, that is the worst possible thing to possibly call this. Oh, terrible, terrible. Did Robert ever want to learn about manufacturing from anyone like you? I don't think that ever came up. All he talked about was the games, like the design. And he clearly doesn't give a shit about manufacturing. Well, and as you say, like, do you think that is fully like John's influence on him? I think it's more that, as Bill said, there are two peas in a pod. I think Robert is more like he has like crippling narcissism, right? He's got he's got some traits that are so severe that it affects his ability to think clearly. And yeah, he just he only cares about art. Like look at Deep Root Studios. I wouldn't be surprised if half the money they blew was at Deep Root Studios. I mean, you see that picture of him and all those employees and it looks like high school prom photos. 
with the black backgrounds. There's 48 people at Deep Root Studios. Absolutely, the majority of the money, I think, went to the animations. I heard, I, this is just what I heard. I heard upwards of $8 million were spent at the studio over the years. $8 million, and nothing went into anything. Isn't that crazy? Let's be really cheap, as cheap as possible. $80,000 times, what, 40 people? That's $3.2 million of burn a year before you get to everything else like Social Security, insurance, uh, unemployment. Yeah, I, I bet I bet that was over half the money went. Because remember, he wanted to be like, I, look at the freaking photo of him. He's like, he's like, ooh, look, I'm John Lasseter. You know, there was definitely a lot of self indulgence where he's like, ooh, I want to play John Lasseter. I want to play, I want to play Steve Jobs. But he ended up playing Elizabeth Holmes. Yeah, but I think in his mind it was going to work though. But we'll get to that later. Okay, so we're in 2015. You and Charlie make the wise decision and sidestep his proposal. American pinball. I have one more story from that period. Yeah, go on. So I'm at work one day at lunch, and Robert's like, ooh, Ben, uh, can we do a, uh, a conference call? There's a company, I think they're called like Pixel Farm in Minneapolis, and that's when he was looking for like animations and whatnot. And I'm like, okay, yeah. So I get on this conference call with Robert and, I don't know, one of the people at this Pixel Farm studio, and uh, it's like, okay, what do you guys need? It's like, well... We're looking for pinball machine animations, and I'm like, yeah, you know, they need to run at this frame rate and this resolution, and they're on this kind of display, and blah 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 blah. And then Robert's like, you should see these games; they're so beautiful. They deserve Disney quality animations. And kind of like when John said that I was going to go around the country putting games together with him, I'm like, whoa, 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 what? And I was like, how about Archer animations? But then, lo and behold. John hires all those people in Salt Lake City, Utah, right? Guess what was also in Salt Lake City, Utah? Avalanche Studios. Do you know what Skylanders is? The thing with the little dragons and the NFC tags? Disney had their own ripoff of that called Disney Infinity. It was a video game, and there was this disc. You see them all the time now, like the readers and Goodwills. It's like the new Goodwill crap along with VR glasses. You buy like a Captain Jack Sparrow figurine. You set it on the disc, and then he appears in the game, right? So Disney canceled that, and then they shut down the studio, which was Avalanche Studios in Salt Lake City, Utah. And that's where John, or that's where Robert hired a bunch of his staff from, Disney Quality Animations. So these guys were working on something that Disney shut down. They get acquired. and But why is any of this really needed to make good pinball, right? Because, John, because Robert wanted Disney Quality Animations. Uh, newsflash, there's tons of game studios in Texas, but Disney Quality Animations. Okay, so you, you have another interesting moment with Robert, and then you walk away. Yes, that was that was probably about the last thing I ever entered. Well, actually, no, there was another time when he tried to hire me again, but I, I said no. Well, what happened there? I said, it, well. Did he up the ante? Did he offer you more? See, that was in an email, so it might still be under like protection. I never signed any NDAs before that. Uh, but same deal. I refuse to work with J-pop. Like, what was he looking for you to do? Make make John's illusions into realities? I don't know. It never really got that far. I mean, it's kind of like me at helping with Zidware. People think I was like some sort of insider. I was like, no, I went to John's shop like maybe four times and we like basically noodled. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm actually not sure what Robert wanted because, I mean, Spooky at that time, they're just putting games together one by one. I mean... Robert probably could have spooled up his own stuff just as easily. See what I'm saying? I'm not exactly sure, not to be disparaging to Spooky, but at that time, I'm not sure what the value is. Although, 
ironically, if Robert would have put in a, just a small, reasonable investment, he would have made 10 times his money back now. So when you finally turned him down, was there ever any parting words like, you're going to be sorry? Or was it just like, okay, like I understand. And then he just moved on. No, he, he just moved on. Although I did tell him I was pissed because he stole my Bible Adventures game from me. Uh, here's what I'm trying to figure out with this timing, because it's weird that Robert has been acting almost like J-Pop's agent through all of this. And then American Pinball scoops up J-Pop. How did Robert not get involved with AP? I'm sure he was involved. Well, not a little bit after the fact because of Magic Girl. It's crazy too, because Magic Girl finally gets built by American Pinball and turns out to be a broken box of lights. You, you would have thought by then, even Robert would have been like, I can't avoid the obvious here, which is this guy does not know how to make games at all. John, John should have been ended with Pintasia. Even then, that was five years. The people who Bill had go help him, they ran around for two weeks like chickens with their head chopped off trying to make that game. And John just sit there, sat there on a stool with a thumb of his ass. Didn't even help. And then it's like, oh, this is this is it after five years. That should have been the end. In the real world, I mean, you're you're you know you're in marketing. If it was like a movie, you know, maybe Guns N' Roses can, you know, work on an album for 13 years. But in the real world, you would be that would be it. You'd be done or you'd have it taken from you. Uh, so it, it should have ended there. But then John was able to trick AP into starting a company. OK, so AP, they part ways with J-pop. We get Deep Root, right? And remember the way it got introduced? It was like John somewhere new and it's Deep Root. And you must have been like. I've seen these guys before. What was it like when you saw that they officially came out as their own pinball company? What what, what went through your head? What about AP? I mean, oh man, maybe I shouldn't repeat the story because I like Joe and I miss hanging out with Joe. No, let's, let's, come on. Real simple. John tricked AP into starting a company. If you look at the logo, it's the same goddamn logo as Deep Root. It's all John. It's John, John, John. Even the name American Pinball. You've got you've got an immigrant and then two other immigrants. And the most pro-American people are immigrants. American Pinball. John's from Canada, you know. So it just, that even that whole thing just reeked of John, right? So he's got, ooh, I've got this Houdini game. If you build Magic Girl, I'll give you this game, right? Mm-hmm. A pig and a poke. A poke being a bag. Ooh, look at this bag. There's something inside. It's a succulent pig. Give me two pence. And then he gives you the bag and it's actually a stray cat. That's also where cat out of the bag comes from. Basically, yes, John tricked them. And then it's Expo 2016, yes. And those guys, they have John's Magic Girl with the Matt Andrews art at Expo. And they've got it set up and it looks amazing. It looks really cool. But then you walk up and you look at it. It, it was his Houdini because I was there. What did I say? You said Magic Girl. John's Houdini game, yes. Yes, um, go on. It looks amazing, but then you look at it and there aren't any toys. There's just like acrylic representations of like a water chamber. There's shots to nowhere. There's shots that don't work. There's shots that aren't fed by anything. <laughs> He's really good at making fake dioramas of games. And if you don't know anything about engineering, you look at it and you think it's a pinball. You know, it's a kind of pinball machine you'd see a set direction in a movie, you know. Maybe that's what he should do for a Well, no, he's too old. They wouldn't hire him. Uh, yeah, so then Joe's there, Joe Balser. And he's, and I'm like, hey, I'm like, hey, Joe, what's, what's going on? He's like, yeah, I'm just looking at this game, John's game here. And I'm like, yeah. This is something, isn't it? Then what is it? They, they rebuild the entire game in like, what, five months or something insane like that, which is still one of the most insane, impressive things in pinball history, I think. Yeah, they tried to, they tried to work with John. John is unmanageable, and they basically said, get the F out. 
which is unfortunate because I think John actually, AP could use a good art director, which is probably the only thing John is good at. But that's when he was kicked to the curb. Now, that was probably early 2017, late 2016. He didn't. Basically, once everyone realized the game was fake, John was gone. Uh, unfortunately, AP had already committed to the Magic Girls because they didn't know how to use Google, apparently. He should have died with Pantasia. He should have died with the broken Magic Girls. He should have died with the Houdini that didn't work. What's crazy, Ben, is how are those not all red flags for Robert, right? You're saying that he was so enamored, had stars in his eyes because of the beauty of John's games, which if you were to look at those games, that was all Zombietti and Matt Andrews who made all of that stuff beautiful. Yep. John's mechs were crap and there wasn't like incredible designs. So I mean, you could say, I mean, again, you could say John's a good art director for finding good people. Because remember, art directors don't do art. He's a good art director for finding good people and putting together good-looking packages, but that's all he can do. So then you see Deep Root Pinball. You see it launched. What's going on inside your head when you see Robert and John are going to do it on their own? Well, my eyes roll back in my head, but not surprised because, as I mentioned, I knew that Robert was just completely obsessed with John's game. Just ridiculously silly. Oh, yeah. Robert had a quote regarding John, even back in 2015. He's a rock star, man. I can sell him to investors, I guess. I, won't, I don't want to say defrauded, but this guy who like wasted a million and a half dollars of people's money. Yeah, that's a rock star. But John's games never sold well, even back in the 90s. It, it's crazy. I mean, it when you did okay. Like, they did okay. I mean, his games would sell like, what, like two to 3,000 units when Lawler's games would sell... 15 to 20,000 units? Uh, I think World Cup Soccer was about six or seven. Theater Magic was five. Then Toten was maybe three. And then Circus Voltaire, they had to basically give away. But actually, that's an interesting point. Um, the prospectus. And I think this goes to the investment part of it. Again, I wish I would have kept it. But this is, again, this was March of 2015. And it contained Robert's pulled from his ass estimates of how many units of John games they'd be able to sell. What were they? Okay, I'm just having I'm having to guess, but I think Magic Girl was like five thousand units. I, I'm gonna have to insert the Marty and Ryan laugh track right there. And and what about Raza? <sighs> Two to three thousand? Five thousand? Did you guys? No, that, exactly. We're like, well, I also said this to Charlie. I was like, we we both knew that game would not sell five thousand units. There is hard data of how many units of a full-on J-pop game you could sell. It's called Circus Voltaire. And I'm like, you know what happens, Charlie, is you give it your company to him, you're working for him, and you don't sell 5,000 in this game because there's no way it sells 5,000. And guess what? It becomes your fault and you're gone and you lose everything. But what about manufacturing? Again, like when you talk about that many oh, well, units. Oh, there was the giant empty factory tour. I didn't tell you that part yet. All right. Tell us that part. Uh, well, wait, just, just one more thing on the units. So, yes, I, I assume he probably showed those same goals to his investors or maybe he did it. Well, actually, it sounds like he did it. Yeah, because he's. His investors thought they were buying life insurance policies or something. Yeah, no, they were investing in life insurance policies and, and in the fund. They were not investing in pinball or animations. Because they would never have invested in those things. <laughs> well, that's where the fraud is. That's right. where the fraud but, takes place. I, but see, the thing is, I think, in, I think in Robert's mind, he thought those games would sell that many units. And that way he could put all the money back in the cookie jar and no one would be the wiser. But, oh, yeah, but Giant Factory Tour. So, yes, I actually, had to, I actually had to go on Google Maps and check. It wasn't as big as I thought, but um, just north of Benton, Wisconsin, is a town called Cuba City. And uh, there was this, there used to be a wind turbine blade factory there. So, fun fact about, like, turbines, 
once they saturate an area with turbines, the plants that build the parts, it's not, there's a certain point where the cost of transporting what you build exceeds the value of what you build. And the saturation is such that they have to ship the blades further and further away to new areas. And it's so expensive to ship them. They just close up shop. For a listener of the show, there's some empty factories. Go on, Ben. It's 40,000 square foot. So Robert wants to move Spooky from 1.5K square foot to 40,000 square foot overnight. So I think this was like maybe the second time he was there. So we meet him in Cuba City and he's got like four or five architects with him. And we, we go through this giant building and it's huge. And it's like, Jesus, this is huge. They had like overhead crane lifts and it was ridiculous. Like maybe if you thought you're going to sell 10,000 Zidware games, it wasn't that ridiculous, but it was ridiculous. And then uh, part well, then when uh, Charlie's like, no, Robert's like, well, I, I, I spent 50 grand hiring those consultants. And like Charlie's like, I didn't, I didn't ask you to do that. Wow. Robert. Yeah. It's, but, but what was he going to do? Was he... It's like he's just going to move. Well, I mean, that's exactly what he did in uh, San Antonio. He jumps into like this super expensive building. But what's the point of having the building if you're not manufacturing anything, right? You don't need that much room to come up with a game. But Robert just wants to play CEO. And I'm just saying, so his his same mentality was in place in 2015. And then he just kept doing it um, later on. I also think there was a filing, like Robert did one of his, Robert was trying to raise funds in 2015 as well, and it didn't raise nearly as much. So maybe it also took him a couple years in order to actually like start raking in the big bucks. Uh, right. Yeah. For people on Pinside, why are you still so invested in this? I know you are, you've had personal experiences with J-pop and Robert. What makes you today in 2021 really lead the charge to see these guys go down? Well, it's fun for one thing. It's an interesting hobby. I, I've, I've seen 10 years of red flags. Like I know I've seen some people on Pinside, they're like, well, Ben, if Zidware was such a failure, why didn't you tell anyone? And it's like, no one would have listened, you know? You could have you could have been at the 1999 Oscars while Harvey Weinstein was collecting his trophy for Shakespeare in Love and stand up and yell, "You're a rapist!" and you would have been dragged out of the ceremony. Same thing, like if I would have said, "Hey, John is a super lazy, sloth-like person. I've never seen him do any real work. He doesn't seem to be actually creative, and most of his shop is used to store junk." They were like, "Shut up, Ginger. He made Theater of Magic. No one would have cared, right?" For a listener of the show who wasn't around back then, you have to remember, this is 2015, and Ben is completely accurate. I remember when people were trying to say J-pop was a hack, Kevin Kulik, Andrew Highway. Inside protection racket. They ran the people yelling fire out. They banned them. Canada was one of them. But they silenced us. Even when we had information that people like John and Andrew Highway were up to no good, they didn't want to hear it. Everyone just wants their beautiful pinball machine. Yes, and that actually, and that goes for the moderators as, as well. Um, maybe you're not supposed to question them on the site, but I'll question them here. The, they, those companies were all protected. No one was allowed to question anything. I mean, now they are, but there's a period from like probably like 2011, 2015. Nope. You couldn't say anything about it. I sent... I'm not going to name names. I sent one of the senior people at Pinside, you can guess who it is, information exactly outlining what Andrew Highway was up to and how everyone was going to lose their money. And you know what? He's like, I'm not letting this up on the site. <laughs> now you know why Canada has four twippies and rolls around these shows with a little bit of a swagger because I'm trying to help. I remember what got you banned was when you complained about 
the Hobbits weld ramps, yeah. the welded ramps. And that was because they wanted to keep the JJP people on the site and they didn't want people pointing out the mistakes. Or Isn't it ironic? The quality issues of a Jersey Jack pinball machine got me banned. And here we are still in the same narrative. So, Ben, you're, you're like, I, I saw a guy today. I want to know what you think about when people say this to you. They're like, how dare you be happy that I lost my money on this venture. What do you say to people who are mad that you're cheerleading for people who are losing money? Um, there was a sea of red flags and you threw your money in. Anyway, I'm going to laugh at you. Oh no, I lost $1,000. Meanwhile, some little old lady lost $100,000. Yeah, I'm going to laugh at you. When you read the SEC filing, what went through your head as, you, as they outlined like in detail? how Robert has been running all these deep root companies. Like what went through your head? I was pretty shocked at just how I thought it was just a well-funded future failure of a company. But it turns out the wildest conspiracies were the were actually the ones that were true. I mean, congrats to the people that figured it out early. But again, even two years ago, if you would have said, this is a Ponzi scheme. I mean, people did and they were allowed to, but I mean, they were right. They were right all along they were more right than i was my feeling is i don't think robert actually set it up as a ponzi scheme i think in his mind the games were going to sell they were going to sell well enough that he could put the money back and then some and be able to pay the dividend although five percent is a pretty aggressive return the pinball was never set up that way but the fund when you read what the sec wrote that was set up, it seems like, on day one, because they never used the money to actually buy the insurance policies. They were using the money to pay back the early investors. And the moment you do that, right, the moment you don't invest in the thing people think they're investing in, it's a Ponzi scheme. See, here's the part that's crazy. I don't think those people realized how much money went into the pinball and the studio work. Well, I mean, if you look at the filings, what was it, 58 million total? I, If I had to guess, I would say it's probably north of 40 million at least. It's definitely more than half. But remember, it wasn't even that long ago people were saying, oh, they didn't even think. They, like, you really think they spent $10 million on deeper pinballs? Like, of course. Like, you look at the PPP. Why did they get a PPP loan in Texas a year after? Who, need, who needs a PPP loan in Texas in April of 2021? Apparently Deep Root. What if they were using that money to pay back investors? <laughs> well, and that's where it becomes more of a criminal case because right now it's a civil case. Like he won't do jail time based on I'm, this. I am su- I'm surprised at that. But. Yeah, but you read up on it and it's and there's a reason why. Like th- these white collar crimes get prosecuted differently versus like criminal cases, which is violent acts and murderers and whatnot. Even though I think a lot of people would love to see Robert in a jail cell with those people. Were you scared over the years of his litigious nature? Oh, absolutely. (sighs) Okay. So the real threat from a lawyer is having to spend the money to defend yourself. Robert, as a lawyer, can attack you for free, which means the rest of us have to pay to defend ourselves. And also... Very early on in his early meetings, Robert told us flat out one of his business plans was to, quote, hit every other pinball company with nuisance lawsuits to slow them down. Another massive red flag. Well, that's a J-pop move, too, that the patent trolling of the industry. Let's Because pa- J-pop owns yes. the patent for screen under the glass. Any yes. screen under the glass. He could sue Star Wars. He could sue Wizard of Oz. And that was part of John's approach was to go on a patent troll adventure, if you will. Yes. And that, again, peas in a pot. So that was that was part of Robert's business plan. And we we're like, wow, that's freaking disgusting. But yeah, if you look at if you look at that statement, I don't know, about a year or two ago, 
Robert's talking about, ooh, our our inventions that we will license out, which translation is patent troll out. So that's one of the reasons like he needs to go away. He he would have been a negative for the industry. There's so much under a pinball machine that is not patented, which means if some guy comes along and becomes a patent troll, that hurts everyone. Why do you think he wants to do this? Like be because this? Lo- he loves suing people. He's an asshole. But he loves pinball though. Why would he go into something that's his hobby? He's a lawyer. The only thing he knows how to do is sue people. And when your only tool is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. I wanted to say another thing, though. Remember a year or two ago when he publicly said, we will not work with multimorphic? Robert mm-hmm. said that. You remember that? Mm-hmm. What I think happened, okay, this is just speculation. But what I think happened was Robert probably said, hey, Jerry, nice P3 system you got there. Kind of conflicts with our patents over here from Johnny Boy, but uh, maybe you can cut us a deal on your boards. And uh, I bet you Jerry's like pound sand, and there you go. I I wouldn't be I would I'd be surprised if that didn't happen. To be to be more honest, I feel like Canada should like patent the shooter rod or something and like really hold all you hostage until I win like fifty twippies. But I'm gonna look into that. The last common part that went out of patent was the William style ball trough. Okay. I can't pronounce that word, so I can't patent it. Yeah, it would be a ball tro. <laughs> tro. Like, I own the patent to the tro, and they're like, oh. But you yes, d-. really early on, Robert made it plain as day he was going to be a patent troll. And Ben, are you scared of him anymore, seeing what's I going think- on? I think he's got other things to worry about. And I think everyone agrees with that. I've been contacted by some of his ex-employees now who now want to talk. Well, they'll, they'll, probably, be, they'll probably be sequestered by the federal government. Is there going to be a point for you just personally when you're like, all right, enough? Is it when J-pop is finally permanently out of the hobby? Like what will get you to stop, you know, your crusade? Is it to get this guy out of pinball for life? I, I, I mean, how much worse can it get? I mean, it's got to be over, right? What do you think? Is it over? Is someone going to try to get these assets and build these games after all of this? <sighs> I know, I know you. I know you read these pins. I because even though you can't post there, that great witch John guy who kept talking about, ooh, someone could buy these, and I know people are talking and blah blah blah. Like, what the heck was that about? Let me ask you a question. So let's put J Pop aside for a second. What about Barrio's food truck? Because apparently that game is designed. It's got all these incredible disney style animations and i heard it's the best game that they had in their repertoire i know that's crazy to hear that animations on food truck were excellent so i can tell you now what the big mech was in food truck without getting sued right can i say that now it's up to you can are they going to come after me for what for my trough patent or the tro patent i keep forgetting they would they would they would go after whoever told you because remember Robert also likes to sue or threaten to sue his own employees, which he's done on multiple occasions. All right, I'll hold that for a later date until I, you know, I see more and more of this company crumble. So here's the thing: I think J-Pop's done. I, obviously, Deep Root Pinball is done. And for those people who want to see Raza and Magic Girl and Alice in Wonderland made, Ben, why? Let me ask you something: Why doesn't Spooky just go get the Alice in Wonderland artwork from Zombie Yeti and just make a working game? Yeah, just pay him to redo the artwork. I think that would be excellent. I mean, honestly, well, not only is John a hack, and he absolutely is a hack. He's a hack. He's lazy. He's pretty worthless. But he's less than worthless because he's actually he actually destroys wealth. He destroyed millions of dollars of wealth even before Deep Root hired him. It's pathetic. It's like, at what point is it worth it? Like, Well, and the other thing he's destroyed is people's love of this hobby. And, and ultimately, that's 
where you start to get into a territory where you're losing even more than money. Like you're driving people out of something they love and they went into it with good intentions and you sort of hijacked their passion for pinball in an irresponsible way because you don't know anything about manufacturing. You don't know anything about how to make these things and you took their money. Why do you think Robert took money in December? I'm still curious why he even did that because when that happened, he knew what trouble he was in on the other side of the business. Why do you think he did it? I think it was a Hail Mary pass to see if he could sell enough games. Even if that were the case, he still defrauded people because he spent the money in a way other than he said he would. Let me just go back to motive a little bit. I believe in Robert's mind, you know, his nebulous mind. He was like, well, pinball is going to make all this money. I'm going to sell 10,000 Razas or whatever. I can take this money out and it's okay because I'm going to make more. I can put it back in. It's like, you know, it's like stealing money from the till because you've got a sure thing from a bookie and you can put the money back before your boss realizes it, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I think in his mind, well, even though he was being fraudulent with how he spent the money or how he reported the money, I think he thought he was going to be able to put it back in the end because unless he's completely stupid, I mean, well, what's the end game? Like, how do you not get caught doing this? I mean, at least Robert was trying to build something. Like, Bernie Madoff was just straight out stealing the money. See, what's crazy too, Ben, is when they only sold 122 Razas, right? I mean, at that point... Allegedly, 30 of them was bought by Robert himself, which could also be seen as fraudulent because he's trying to boost the numbers. Isn't that the point? I, I don't care everything you've been saying about the man. If you're delusional, if you're this or that, if you know, whatever size his brain is... But when he sees that number, how does he not look at that and say, I was wrong. They don't want this guy's games. Like they don't want my company. They don't want these products. It's over. And then he went on podcasts the next week. He went on different podcasts and he said, everyone's going to have their games in six to eight weeks when he knew there was no manufacturing. This is crazy behavior. I would like to know, it's like, Robert, everyone told you not to hire John. And you did it anyway. I mean, did he finally realize, oh, shit, maybe I shouldn't have hired John when he saw those sales? I mean, that is pathetic. If Spooky Pinball, who could make games, or American Pinball, actually revealed Raza with, you know, it's beautiful game. It's, it's, it is a remake of Cyclone. And it's nice enough to succeed in this marketplace. If they announced it, they would have sold hundreds of them, maybe a thousand or two, just because people have faith in the company making it. The only yeah. reason it sold 122 is nobody had any faith they were going to make these games ever. Everyone's hoping for the next Big Bang Bar. That's still what it is. And for them, it was a gamble. But for a lot of investors, they're financially ruined over it. And Ben, why didn't people take a refund? That was the one thing Robert did. He paid people out. Well, yeah, I remember back in 2019 when Robert got pissed at me, that famous quote on Pinside. What was it? Well, he was like, well, that's when I realized it was a scam, like a scam scam. Because remember, they had that goodwill agreement. Like you were supposed to have your game by June 2019 originally, remember? Yep. And at that point, Robert would have been in breach. He would have basically had to give you your game or give you a refund. And he's like, well, I'll give you a refund. Or if you don't take the refund, you'll get credit for two future games. And that's double or nothing scam. And all I said was, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. And that's when he got really pissed. He's like, stay out of it, Ben. I consider you to be giving legal advice without a license. Got ratioed to hell for it. And that was actually the last thing he ever typed on Pinside. Hey, Robert, Robert, I'm going to have the same number of law licenses as you soon. Zero. <laughs> 
I do love that in the end, Deep Root's final tally for the number of posts they've put on Pinside is 69 people. It can't get more <laughs> amazingly hilarious. <laughs> uh, well, okay, so... At least when you get screwed with a 69, it's pleasurable. All right. It's a family show, Ben. Okay, so, Ben, where do you go from here? Where do you go from here? You're now making your game with CGC. Let me ask you a question about CGC real quick. So you're making your game. Did you see the kind of lame way they finally confirmed Cactus Canyon? Is your game going to be revealed in a PowerPoint presentation designed for 65-year-old men? I have no idea. I haven't even heard anything about it in months. I think they've been all hands on deck on Cactus Canyon. Right. Uh, I think mine is... Uh, there's a game after Cactus Canyon, which... Pulp Fiction? I... I that's not what I heard. And then mine would be after that. Oh, okay. What is it? What is it? Can you tell? No, I know you can't I'm tell not, us. I'm um, not going to see it. All right. I know. I know. I thought I could catch you in a, in a moment of excitement. Not, e- not even when I'm drunk and I'm bright-eyed and bushy-tailed right all now. All right. All right. Well, Ben, look, how long do you think the Deep Root thread, do you think we can hit 500 pages on it? It's at 467, I want to say, or 476? Oh, I think that thing will be 30K by Christmas. Are you going to buy a Viva La Raza t-shirt from Canada? Oh, did you make some? Yep. I'm only making 122 of them, though. <laughs> well, you know, that t- t-shirt's going to be worth a lot of money in the future. <laughs> you, you know, Ben, for being such a great guest on this show, I'm going to comp your Canada's Viva La Raza t-shirt. How does that sound? That sounds great. Uh, so is it? I mentioned it in that other thread, but uh, it sounds like Bill is going to like try to nuke at least two of the games from Orbit, which is great. So Bill Brandis still owns the IP for Raza and Magic Girl. It was never transferred over. And Bill was really smart. So Bill put into the contract with American Pinball that the only way they would own the IP if they delivered to him a fully functioning game. Of Raza? Or of Magic Girl. And it does not fully function. And Bill is smarter, and Bill has smarter lawyers than anyone down there at Deep Root. I love Bill. He's a great member of the community. Ben, one of the things I've wondered about through this whole thing is the other people involved, Barry O, Steve Bowden, John Norris. Do you think, because they are members of the pinball community at some point, we know Dennis Nordman left, but should some of these other people have spoken up when they realized what was happening? Or do they just get silenced by the paycheck? No, they're all under strict NDAs, you know, just like Harvey Weinstein has or Brian Singer. Do you think they'll come out now and tell us what it was really like? I don't know. I mean, Robert could like, oh, Ben's talking. I mean, just because Robert's being sued by the SEC doesn't mean he couldn't come after me. Of course, I never signed an NDA with Robert. I mean, he should have had a sign one that day, but he didn't. But yeah, I, I, would, I would assume they would, but they're probably going to wait until the time ticks down. People like Iceman, you know, they, they, they talk a big game, but they don't hear the same rumors the rest of us do. Like, Robert is incredibly litigious, like ridiculously litigious. And you don't know about it because of how litigious he is. So, Ben, do you think this is it? Is this the last pinball scam we're ever going to encounter? Or is this community completely gullible for this happening again? Well, apparently they're, they are. Well, although maybe they're not as gullible because 122 games, that's way less than they sold a Predator. That's way less than Big Lebowski. So maybe the community is learning. It should be, if you do not have a production line, a means of production, you don't ask for a single cent. Because I kept seeing it bandied around. Oh, Deep Root didn't take pre-orders. They didn't take our money. Well, they took someone's money. It doesn't matter if it's not yours. It's still someone's money. And I mean, in a way, it's even worse than the PPP loans. Like the PPP loans just come from inflation. 
but Robert was actually taking little old lady's money and spending it on this. So I would think, you know, if the barrier to entry for pinball, I mean, there are other companies trying to get into it right now. Who else is trying to get into pinball right now? I don't know who they are, but I've heard from many sources that, well, think about it. Like it's, it's a, what what is it? Red ocean, blue sky. This is a green ocean. It's like, oh my God, these people will pay how much for these things? So I'm sure that's drawing a lot of sharks. I'm surprised Raw Thrills hasn't got into pinball. I think they're pretty intrinsically tied with CGC. So maybe there's no need. The barrier for entry, it's like, if you cannot show your ability to build games, you shouldn't get a single cent. And I think there should be, I think, you know, like, you know, community portals like Pinside, it's like, uh, oh, okay, uh, this company is asking for pre-orders. Have they demonstrated an ability to show games? Okay, boom, they're off the forums. Right. You know, we need to, we need to police that stuff. Deep Root, you, they never showed us pictures of a factory. And my thought was, it's already a scam. And But the thing is, again, that still implies that they sold it as a pinball business, which they didn't. Right? It's like, my thought was, they're not going to make games. If they show a pile of parts... That's fraud because they're trying to make you think it's a going a going endeavor, but it's not. But it doesn't even matter because they didn't sell it as a pinball investment in the first place. So, oh my god, it's just like mind-bogglingly stupid. It's like it's like me getting a loan for a house and buying a Ferrari. You know, you can't do that in the real world. No, and people were taking PPP money and buying Lamborghinis, and they were getting caught. Now, Ben, do you think one day in the near future someone will actually go into deep root pinball and open up that door to manufacturing and record what's inside oh it's probably all been removed i i'm sure it's been gutted and emptied out it's like it's like that scene in Patton where all the germans are burning all the documents before the russians get there <laughs> i'm sure that's already happened yeah oh man it's okay so Ben, any final words on this whole thing? Does it feel somewhat good to be right on this whole thing? Uh, not. You're loving actually, it. Actually, oh my no, god, I was teeing no, you up I, just to be honest with the last question, and you're loving this on Pinside. I'm, I'm actually genuinely surprised how bad it actually was. I didn't think it was this much of a scam. So yeah. I'm, I'm even taken aback. In a way, like, you know, it, it. I, I feel bad, actually, for everyone involved, except for, of course, Robert and John, because you had all these employees and they were being paid with money that was taken under false pretense. And that's I mean, think about I mean, that could incur a lot of guilt on someone that that's that's a heavy toll to bear. So so yeah. I, I like being right. But other people were more right than me. I mean, I know a lot of people who were saying, you know, this is like this is like a Ponzi scheme. This is a scam. So. I wasn't as right as I could have been, and I, I wish... Yeah, but if you said that, I mean, look, I know one guy on Pinside, he did say it, and he was, he was correct now. But if you were saying that, they would have came after you. And I'm you know, and just because yeah. there was one dude on page, like, 322 said it, if people like me or people like you were saying that, and look, we had no proof it was a Ponzi scheme, so I wasn't going to say it, but if we did have proof, if we even reported it, we would have been jumping in to the fire. I always have to remind people of this. I'm not the New York Times. I'm not the Wall Street Journal. And when I jump into these heavily dramatic, litigious pinball fraud companies, they can come after my livelihood and I'm not making enough money to to play that role for, for yep. the community. Yep. No, that's, that's, that's exactly, that's the same thing I think. So Ben, I want to thank you so much for coming on and telling your story. I know this is something that you've been personally involved in and you are a good member of the pinball community and you just want to see people 
get games that they pay for, and you want companies not to take money until they know what they're doing, right? I mean, is that an easy way to think about all this? Right. I make money from pinball. I would prefer that you give me your money instead of throwing it into a sea of stupidity. And because, yeah, all this money that gets destroyed by John or Robert is money that doesn't go to the rest of the industry that's actually creating fun games for you. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's out of selfish, mostly out of selfishness, but it's just, it's just ridiculous. Like, stop supporting these people who destroy wealth. I mean, once something happens twice, it's a pattern. The four times for John, it's time for it to end. Like, one last thing. You briefly mentioned this briefly earlier, but yes, some company just needs to, like, hire a good artist, make Alice in Wonderland. It's an ancient IP. There's no copyright left. And then make a J-pop-like game. It'll be like the Pied Piper. It can lead all of the J-pop fanboys away from J-pop. Just give them a shiny facsimile and actually make it. And then J-pop himself can be the one that falls off the cliff. You know, I'm going to do a little spoiler right now. And I don't talk about this game very much. But my friend who is making this game called Merlin, who's actually working with one of the artists who worked with J-pop, when you see this game... This is going to be the kind of J-pop kind of beautiful world under glass game everyone wanted from John. Now, the reason I don't talk about it is my friend's not going to show it to the world until he figures out how to make the entire thing. And if he doesn't, you'll never see it. And that's the responsible thing to do. But I just want to say there is a game coming. If it does come, I hope you guys get to see it soon. So, Ben, thank you so much for taking the time. Always fun to talk to you. And I am sure we will talk in the near future because... uh Something new might happen in Deep Root, but something new might happen in CGC. And I just love hearing your take on the hobby. So thanks again for taking the time this Sunday. Well, and, you know, I just told stories from the beginning. I mean, sure, there's much better stories from the last couple of years, and we'll see if they get told. And employees will be coming on the show. So, Robert, get your lawyer ready. We're going to hear the truth. Later, Ben. Later. Later.